Welcome along to episode 747 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, we chat with Mike Brewer of TV show Wheeler Dealers as they celebrate their 20th anniversary with a brand new series. We catch up with James Richards and find out about the charity Moods, making male breast cancer awareness a part of their priority. We'll be having a natter with the team from Breast Cancer Now about Wear It Pink, which comes up this Friday. Scott Bird lets us know all about what's going on with the Spotlight magazine which is available now from the Grand Theatre and we'll be talking about some of the amazing shows they have running right the way through till next year plus it is scare season so we're having a natter with Aviana Snow all about her current horror film projects that's all on the way on the show this week Welcome to the Milk Bar 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 uh, welcome to the milk bar. With more than two in five women not self-examining regularly for breast cancer, possibly relying on mammograms as often as they're called by the NHS, we need to step this up to make sure that if something is wrong, people know it as soon as possible. Tell us more. I'm joined now by TV presenter Sophie Blake and Jay Murray at the Breast Cancer Now charity. Good afternoon to you both. Hi. Sophie, tell us some of, of your story. I was diagnosed with primary breast cancer back in December 2020, just before the third lockdown. Um, so I was affected having all my treatment done then, which was a lumpectomy and uh, radiotherapy. And then I was given the all clear. But unfortunately, last year, back in May, I was given the diagnosis that I was then stage four uh, with secondary cancer, which had spread to my liver, my lungs, my abdominal lymph node and my pelvis and a brand new breast cancer actually growing on the skin of my lumpectomy breast, which is quite unusual, which was a grade one. Um, a, a different cancer altogether. Um, so um, I started down the secondary route going back then, and that's the life that I'm now um, living and uh, been in contact pretty much all along with Breast Cancer Now, who are a massive support for me during the lockdown because obviously I couldn't go anywhere, I couldn't see anybody. So I'm doing all I can to help now raise awareness with them. And although obviously a now an incurable condition, you're not letting that stop you doing what you're doing, which is the uh, the important thing. It's it's about uh, living for now and living to make sure that you're passing the message on to others to to, to check and to, to to work alongside the charity. Oh, it, it absolutely is, and I've actually literally five minutes before this call had the the latest news of my PET scan um, that I'm currently no evidence of active disease. So <laughs> excuse the big smile on my face right now. No, that's brilliant that's news. Best Frankly. news you can get with secondary cancer. Um, but yes, absolutely. The first thing, obviously, I had the, the trauma of that information being relayed to me back in May. And it's a moment that I will never forget my entire life of where I was and what I was doing and, and processing it. And the horror of telling my daughter and my mum and family. Um, but I'm quite a proactive person anyway, and uh, just kind of did lots of research and um, reached out to people in the, the cancer community and the secondary community. And uh, there's so much support out there. There really, really is when you look for it. And if, you know, you have to do what works for you. That's what worked for me. And breast cancer now, um, played a really big part in that and so I think that's why I want to be able to give back and do what I can as well to help others. 
Yeah, Jane, Jane, obviously, uh, when somebody is in this situation, uh, whatever stage they are of discovering they have cancer, uh, there's a lot of help and support that is needed. And the work that Breast Cancer Now do is absolutely phenomenal, isn't it? It is. It's crucial from from the uh, life uh, changing research to the um, support services that we offer. You know, we do everything, um, campaigning, uh, all sorts of massive massive uh, important things that really contribute to the the treatment and the support for people affected by breast cancer so we we have a whole range of services you mentioned we have a, a helpline so the helpline is is staffed by nurses like myself open 6 days a week which is free it's confidential and it's an opportunity for people to call us up whether it's they've got a, a primary breast cancer diagnosis, a secondary breast cancer diagnosis, if they've not been diagnosed, but they're worried about a symptom, they want to know more about screening, family, friends, anybody, they, they you know, it's completely free from all mobile networks and landlines in the UK. And they can ring and they can speak to someone like me or one of my nurse colleagues and go through any questions they've got, any concerns they've got. And then we can signpost them on to um, other services that we offer. So we do have very specific services um, for people like Sophie who have uh, secondary breast cancer or younger women with secondary breast cancer. We also have services, uh, well, a service called Someone Like Me, where we can put someone in touch with somebody who's had a similar diagnosis, that peer support can be really, really crucial to, to speak to somebody who's been through something similar, going through something similar, because no one else can really understand or have, have any idea of what that's like unless you've been through it or going through it yourself. Um, so, yeah, that, that we do we do a huge amount of really important and really worthwhile services. So I would encourage everybody and anybody to, to check out our website or call our helpline just to, to find out more, really. And and it's through the sort of advice that you get there that will show you how to self-check. And Sophie, were you checking? Is this something that you you, you picked up yourself through your own checks? I was, but actually it it was through running. I started running after lockdown and uh, I actually felt mine, um, it wasn't um, a lump or dimpling or a discharge or anything like that with mine. It was a, a, a dull ache I started to get when I was running. And um, it was after a couple of weeks of it not going away. I just suddenly felt like something wasn't right. Um, that uh, luckily for me, I, I got an appointment very quickly with my GP, who sent me for my mammogram, the first one I ever had, and they picked up on it straight away. Um, so it just—it's so important to self-check and to know your own body. I knew it wasn't a pain I'd never felt before, and that's what made me aware. Um, and. And I guess then, because I did check my breasts and it's just knowing it's so important to know every area, you know, even the chest bone around under the armpit, your collarbone, just to feel your skin at least once a month, you know, set an alert. So you don't forget because it's easy. Life is busy. We all know that. Mm -hmm. So when you shower, you're moisturizing, put them on the bra, just check because you never know, you know, and and most uh, cancers, obviously breast cancer caught early is very treatable nowadays. It's important to do that and it's important to get that awareness and through the fundraising that's been uh, put together here uh, because on the 20th of October we're calling everyone to to wear pink, wear it pink for the day and uh, to sort of raise awareness but also to raise some funds too and this is again, it helps the important work of breast cancer now. You know, I've been chatting with Jane about this earlier, it's such a fun way to do it and it's something that everybody can get involved in and if you can't even make an event, you know, you can do it online and when you're organizing these things if it's a coffee morning or a barbie theme or a school run 
um, everybody, you can you can put that out there as well about advocating, uh, you know, and, and being self-aware and knowing your own normal and checking your breasts. And um, you can just make a, a Breast Cancer Awareness Month. You can just utilize that month to share all that information and wear, raise awareness, but have a lot of fun on that day as well. And and wear it pink, and the campaign's been going on for this in its twenty second year now, and as a thirty nine million quid raised, all that doing amazing work. And uh, Jane, I mean, you you see what actually happens here, and and uh, on, you know, in, in numerous cases, so you you must be so proud to be part of it. But equally, it's getting that funding, and it's important. Absolutely, you know, I'm so so proud. I'm proud of the organisation and everything that Breast Cancer Now stands for, and all the work that we do. Um, and, and we will continue to support women and men, because let's not forget, men do get breast cancer as well, a lot smaller numbers, but they do. So it's really important that men are breast aware and people are, are sort of regularly checking their breasts, as Sophie says. And I think what we hear a lot on our helpline is that people are worried about, you know, contacting their GP. The NHS is so stretched. You know, if it's something that's not important, I don't want to bother them. But it's not a bother. You know, the majority of breast changes won't be breast cancer. Um but you don't know that. It's important that you get that confirmation from your GP or if your GP is not sure, they can refer on to a breast unit where you'd see a breast uh, specialist. Again, even somebody that's referred to a breast unit, the majority of women don't have breast cancer. But, you know, do check, do report, do be sure. And, you know, that's that's the most important thing, really. Um, but yes, going back to your point, I'm super proud of, of Wear It Pink and, and everything the organisation stands for wearitpink.org wearitpink.org that's where you want to go to get registered make sure it's an event you've got going on at work or at school or the community group or whatever it is you're involved with or just you and your family and have a great time doing something for the charity breast cancer now who do an amazing work the 20th of october is the date to put in your diary color it in, in a pink highlighter so you know which one it is if you're on paper i'm sure you can do that electronically too but get that all marked up and be part of it and uh, i mean I mean, Sophie, I mean, such good news that you've had today. Let's keep it going in that direction. Let's make sure that you're as well as we can be for as long as possible. But the important thing is to check, because if you happen to discover that the prognosis, even as difficult it is now, would have been a lot worse. Mm, absolutely. Um, but every single penny raised for where it goes towards that vital research that helps people like me. Uh, living with cancer and being diagnosed with cancer and all the support that breast cancer now gives so you know even if it's a couple of pounds anything please do so well sophie blake tv presenter and jane murphy at breast cancer now thank you for joining us thank Thank you. you thanks jason The TV series Wheeler Dealers is marking its 20th anniversary with its 17th series. To tell us more about what they have in store, I'm joined now by Mike Brewer. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm all right. And how are you keeping? Well, I'm good now, Jason. I've been singing show tunes on my way to work. That that always helps, I think. But uh, when it comes down to being behind the wheel, music is an important part of that. And you yeah, okay, when you're restoring a car, you've got to get the sound system right too. Uh, yeah, it's always nice to have a good sound system in a car. I think it's very important. Uh, lots of the cars that I restore are sort of period cars. So they're from the, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s. And uh, there we're talking about, you know, puny little stereos with a couple of speakers on a parcel shell. <laughs> um, and when you play a modern tune out of those speakers, it doesn't kind of sound right. But as soon as you put a classic rock song on from that generation, all of a sudden, 
the stereo in my antiquated car sounds brilliant. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, we're looking at uh, the likes of Queens Bohemian Rhapsody, Hotel California by the Eagles, uh, maybe a bit of Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine. All of these songs, I mean, they're absolute classics, just like the cars we're talking about. And if you've got a Capri with the volume cranked up to 11, uh, one of these tunes is going to really make it move quicker. Uh, most definitely, yeah, because it all plays out under your right foot when you're driving along. <laughs> and who can't help but sing along and uh, shout and scream to Bohemian Rhapsody. Actually got 30% of the votes in our survey. And appeared in every generation of drivers, which is the exciting part. Yeah, Everyone, here, Gen X, Millennials, Gen Z, they're all there. Yeah, it's one of those songs, isn't it, that's uh, so enduring from the moment it came out to now. I think once you hear the first called, uh, even, you know, I think there's videos online of five-year-old kids sitting in the back of cars being driven to nursery singing along to bohemian rhapsody it seems to be in it's part of our dna i think that song absolutely and i mean with the soundtrack to the tv series as well i mean it must be good fun when you put the whole thing together and uh, you're enjoying uh yeah restoring to a tune uh yeah i think we've had the same theme tune on wiggly dealers for two decades as well <laughs> i think we tried modernizing it we had a load of complaints and we went backwards to the old original theme tune but uh yeah i mean look you know i'm very proud the show's been on air now for 20 years. Uh, we're celebrating this two-decade anniversary by conducting surveys like this and uh, get, finding out what get people to work in the morning because, you know, I've had to get to work to restore all these cars over the past 20 years, and I have my tunes to get me to work and back again. And it's been really interesting, but I'm, I'm immensely proud of the two decades of putting the show together. And uh, we're just about to... We've started working on the 21st year as well of Wheeler Dealers, so uh, long may it continue. Absolutely. I mean, you've been a global phenomenon as well. That's the exciting part. Yeah, we're actually making a global series right now. So um, uh, wherever I go in the world, I, I lived in California for six years making the show. Wherever we go in the world, I get um, fans. You know, I, I, I was in Italy the week before last. I, I almost stopped the town uh, because <laughs> people knew I was there. The same in France, the same in Poland, the same in Germany. Uh, so we're making this global series at the moment, which is going to take wheeler dealers out to these big territories that watch the show, and we're going to celebrate it with the audience. Well, it sounds like a fun thing to do. And how does the team line up this series? Uh, me and Elvis, uh, same as it's been for the past uh, three or four years, me and Elvis are going to be on the spanners again, and uh, we're very much looking forward. We're still enjoying our bromance. And we're very much looking forward to uh, to bringing some uh, some hit shows to you. Yeah, because I mean, the cars working here aren't the fastest ones you've worked on, are they? Uh, no, I mean, we've got an eclectic mix in this series, and some of them are, are positively, you know, humble. You know, but when we put these cars uh, together and the list of cars together, it's very important for me and Elvis to make sure uh, that we sort of capture everything, you know, what the audience want. Uh, we can't have you know, 20 sports cars in a series. We've got around a 4x4 and a convertible and a family car. And uh, with this run, we've got everything from a, a 4x4, Land Rover Discovery 1, all the way up to a Caterham 7, so a nice little pocket rocket race car. Uh, we've got a Saab 900 turbo convertible. We've got a super uh, estate car with the Audi RS6 event, faster than a Porsche 911. Uh, an exotic Italian car with the Alpha GTV. Uh, a Cortina P100 pickup truck. Uh, nobody <laughs> would have the audacity to tackle one of them, but I would. And a wicked little Peugeot 205 rally. So we've got a bit of everything in there. 
Absolutely. And it's, it's cars which are achievable for the rest of us as well and give us some inspiration on what we could maybe do with a vehicle on our drive. Yeah, well, there's plenty of people out there um, uh, fixing up cars on the internet that are, you know, £300,000 Ferraris and Porsches. Uh, no, I tried to keep the cars down at hill. I tried to keep as aspirational as possible so that the normal man can afford to do it. So that's what the aim is. When I go out and buy these cars, I can go and buy a 200 grand Ferrari if I want, but only a handful of people out there will find that really interesting because they haven't got one. Um, but there's a million people that have got a Ford Fiesta, and that's why I will do a Ford Fiesta. Well, it's going to be uh, another great series to watch. Where and when can we find you? You can find us Monday nights on Discovery Channel and then thereafter on the Discovery app where we're doing weekly drops. Um, and it's nine o'clock on Monday nights and you've got the Discovery Plus one as well. So if you miss it, you can watch it at 10 o'clock. And it's usually repeated about, I don't know, a thousand times across the week <laughs> as well. So uh, you, uh, you won't it's miss it. It's quality television. It's got to be done, hasn't it? It has, yeah. It appears everywhere. So uh, yeah, just make sure you tune in and watch. Well, Mike, good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. Former Formula One mechanic and now with the man with the spanners on Wheeler Dealers. Thank you for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure. Aviana Snow is very often busy in the world of horror. Three movies she's been working on either recently or are already out there. To tell us more, she's on the line. How are you doing? You all right? Hello. Uh, thank you so much for speaking to me. It's lovely to be here. Well, it's good to catch up with you again. And it's good to talk about uh, horror movies at this time of year because Halloween is approaching and, and Wrath of Dracula is going to be a must-see this Halloween season. Thank you so much. Yes, I mean, spooky season is always my favourite <laughs> time of year. So it's uh, it's great to have all these films out in time for Halloween. And I, I like the fact that we've got a, a bit of a, a feminist take on Dracula here. Yes. So um, what kind of first attracted me to this script was the fact that it's it's Dracula. So it's the classic tale, but it's told from Nina's perspective which I thought was a really interesting kind of modern feminist way of looking at it. Um, so in the original novel, Mina has kind of a passive role. So she stays at home and sort of waits for Jonathan to return and events kind of happen to her. Whereas what Steve Lawson, the director, wanted to do with this was to give Mina a more active role, kind of give her more agency. So in this uh, version, Mina travels herself to Transylvania and she learns Kung Fu and she bursts into Dracula's castle herself in order to take him on. And I kind of love that. It's just, a, you know, it kind of gives us a more feisty leading lady, which I love. Um, and uh, uh, you're Maria got... in this one, though, Dracula's favourite bride. So a bit That's of conflict right. there for you, I think. <laughs> Whose side am I on anyway? Um yeah, and it, it's so it, it's got this awesome kind of action element to it as well. There's lots of fight scenes, um, and yes, as you say, I play uh, Dracula's kind of lead bride or the bride who's sort of in charge of the other brides. Mm -hmm. um, and the backstory is that I've been sort of kidnapped from the local village, and my father is still looking for me. And so it's she's kind of. She originally came to the castle sort of against her will and then was kind of bitten and turned into a bride. Um, it's an interesting kind of interpretation because part of me thinks, you know, how much is she aware of what she's doing? Is she, 
you know, she doesn't really want to be there. Does she still have memories of her time living in the village? Does she still remember her life before? Is she completely under Dracula's spell? Um, so it's an interesting one to kind of to kind of tackle as an actor. You have to kind of make decisions about, yeah, to what extent is she working for Dracula and to what extent does she remember her old life? Mm-hmm. And, and that, yeah, that's something you have to take on board, uh, particularly with, uh, with the direction that you're getting and the and uh, the way in which the, the production team and writers have worked around this. Mm-hmm. But it's until you bring them to life, these characters, uh, they, they, they have got very much a, a, an empty pale facade until you bring that pale facade to life. That's it. Yeah. So um, kind of some of it was up to my own sort of discretion, um, which is, you know, which is great. Steve's great about kind of giving the actors that creative freedom to sort of make your own decisions about how you how you see the character. Um, but then equally, you know, obviously it's got to fit in with the wider story and that you can't kind of make a decision that's <laughs> like, you know, totally um, different from what the script says. Um, but I loved, yeah, I just loved working on it. And it was great to have the time to explore all of that. Um, I worked with Steve before last year on um, a Jack the Ripper film. Um, and I was very pleased that he brought me back. It's always nice because you think, OK, well, hopefully I didn't mess up too badly the last time <laughs> because he's brought me back. Um and it was a much more substantial role this time. So there was more to kind of, well, get my teeth into, get my fangs into. <laughs> but a, a shared interpretation, which is how it uh, has clearly worked in the past and the reason you're able to uh, work so well together this time. Uh, but this isn't all that we have in your uh, current crop of output because mm. there are two films currently working the festivals as well. Yes. So uh, over the weekend, I was in York, the beautiful city of York, attending Dead Northern which is a fantastic kind of genre festival looking at horror and fantasy um, in, in the north of England. So um, I was there with uh, two films, uh, How to Kill Monsters, uh, which um, we won. We won the Best Feature Film Award for the whole festival, which well was, um, yeah, I, I was really, really pleased. And I was thrilled for the whole cast and crew and the director Stuart um it was you know it, these things are such a it's such a team effort and it's a real ensemble piece um and we had the screening uh on Saturday and then it was it's fantastic I love watching that film in that big communal space because it's got such a great warmth and humor it's a real kind of rollicking comedy if you think of like Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz or those kind of um kind of horror but with like a comic um element mm-hmm. um and the audience responded really warmly really positively you know everybody kind of laughs together and, and it's a lovely there's a great atmosphere every time I go to a screening of that film so um yeah and well, you know we were so thrilled to win the award so I hope it goes on and has a you know a successful run and then gets released. Yeah, it'd be great to see a theatrical release on the way for that one. And then, uh, of course, the streaming services are their mm. next home. And uh, you know, we, we so much. Yeah, you know, even the likes of the big studios putting things straight to streaming these days. Actually, it's it is quite a badge of honour as soon as you can be available in people's homes. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I quite like sort of. I'm old fashioned, so I quite like it when it has a cinema run because there's something mm-hmm. about watching it communally with yeah. all your friends and you know. Like I think the lead actress Lindsay had brought her family to the screening, so it was so nice to watch it all together. Um, whereas I think when you stream stuff, you end up kind of watching it alone in your room. 
Um, and you can. But from the back behind the sofa, in this case, though, I think that's where you're going <laughs> exactly. to be for this. Yeah, no, it, it's we're such a big family, and um, you know, we all met up before the screening and had pizza together, and it was just a really nice, lovely experience. Mm-hmm. And punch, obviously, also well received. Yeah. So. Um, Punch screened at Fright Fest, um, which is in London and Leicester Square back in August. Mm-hmm. That's a really that's another really interesting film directed by Andy Edwards. Um, I'm only in that quite briefly. I have a cameo as uh, one of Mr. Punch's victims. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't tell you how I die, but uh, it's <laughs> it's always interesting to see what manner of death you're going to encounter. Um, but it's it's interesting in that it depicts a kind of um it's shot mainly in Hastings, so a sort of semi kind of derelict coastal town. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's interesting about those those places that are kind of seasonal places is that they're really bustling and dynamic and busy during the season, like during July and August. But then all the tourists go home. And for the people that actually live in that community, it's actually quite desolate for mm-hmm. many other months of the year. Um, and it depicts a kind of insular community. Um, the lead character sort of wants to move out and go to uni in a bigger, bigger city. And some of her friends are like, oh, well, are we not not good enough for you here? So this kind of attitude that can develop in insular communities. And then, um, then horror ensues. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> and she, yeah, but the poor girl ends up encountering um, Mr. Punch, obviously from the Punch and Judy show, which mm-hmm. is, is famous for playing at the British seaside. Um, and it turns into a kind of American slasher, but somehow set in a Brit- British seaside town, which is really, really a cool concept. That sounds intriguing. Um, I say, but nice to to see this sort of thing coming out of the uh, horror indie UK yeah. uh, whole scene. And and something which overall, I mean, you've been involved with in a number of cases. I mean, horror is your favourite genre, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, I've been thinking about it. Those three films that I've just described, they're all horror but they're all so entirely tonally different. So mm-hmm. like Dracula is a classic kind of period piece. Then you've got Punch, which is set in this kind of insular small community, um, you know, with a, a sort of working class people trying to get by. It's a lot, a lot of unemployment in the town. And then um, How to Kill Monsters is this kind of rollicking comedy. So I think I always find it amazing how versatile the genre is and how much you can do within that genre um and even though i'm kind of i guess i've been kind of pigeonholed as a horror actress i still think that you know i'm still working on like such a range of really really different projects even within horror so it's um i feel very lucky really yeah, and it's a, it's it's always about how far you make it to the film as well, and uh, I think that that's part of the fun. Yes. It, there'll be so many different places and so many different roles that you played, and yeah, they they, they may bring you in as, as as a name to be uh, uh, early to the slaughter in some cases, and then other yeah. other times you're there for the duration because you're one of the stars. So it's all part of uh, you know the 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 whole picture that is just fun horror and you know it, it, a lot of it you know can be terrifying but equally i, I mean i love the fact that the, the comedy horror is a, an amazingly well-loved genre too it is uh uh great to be able to get people together to enjoy laugh and of course have those moments where the skin on the back of your neck sort of goes <laughs> all as you're uh you're, you're watching a, an amazing movie now of course we can see you in uh the wrath of dracula uh where do we get hold of that and how does that work at the moment 
Dracula is on Amazon, I believe. It's also in Asda for £7. You can get the DVD. Um, and yeah, I would advise you to do that while you still can, because I think the, the way the future of film is headed, I think maybe in the next few years, you won't be able to get physical media any longer. Mm -hmm. So um, I love the fact that it's in Asda, though, because I feel like you can you can get it while you're doing your grocery shopping. You know, you can be out getting your milk and tea bags or whatever and then just like grab a dvd and, and watch that this evening you know yeah <laughs> so i love that it's kind of really accessible and not overly expensive like seven quids not too much and i think because sometimes going to the going to the odeon to watch something you can find you know you, you can spend 25 quid really easily by the time you've bought popcorn or whatever so i think it's to me it's important to keep it sort of accessible to ordinary people mm -hmm. um and sort of democratizing the the art form yeah and, and sharing the art it is about the art isn't it and uh, whether mm. you're looking at the the special effects the acting or uh, the, the the writing behind it each of those have got a very special place in our hearts and when you bring them together into something like the projects you've been working on it all works really well so where do we find you on the socials to make sure we know when the other releases are coming to our own either theaters or onto dvd uh, I'm on Instagram at Aviana Snow. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, Just go to Instagram. In Instagram me. Yeah. yeah. Aviana Snow, check out what's going on. Follow you at all these amazing press events and festivals that you go to. And all the and different ways that I die. Yes, in each of the movies. It's always <laughs> quite a treat. Aviana, always good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. Keep up the good work. And Thank we look you forward so to much. You, uh, seeing you in uh, The Wrath of Dracula. Thanks, Jason. Although breast cancer awareness often centres around women, men do have the issue too, with around 400 diagnosed each year. To tell us more, I'm joined now by breast cancer survivor and founder of Moves, James Richards. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jason. So uh, first of all, uh, tell us a, a bit of your story, which has led to your campaigning. Yeah, of course. So um, back in January of, of this year, um, I was in a work meeting. I, I, I folded my arms and I felt a sort of small kind of lump uh, in my breast. Um, didn't really think much of it at the time. It was just because I had a colleague uh, mention that I should probably go and get it checked out because he had a scare uh, a few years beforehand, which turned out to be benign. Um, but, you know, before that point, I, I had no idea that, that men could get breast cancer. And even though I'd been sort of told to, to go to the doctors, it still took me about four or five weeks to go. I sort of kind of like put it to the back of my mind. Um, I think in, in my head, I sort of thought, you know, it was January. You know, I've, I've been sort of hitting the gym and doing exercise, trying to get off that holiday weight and maybe I overexerted something. Um, uh, finally got sort of a, um, finally got, got around to booking an appointment. So I went to, uh, to my doctors and they were sort of very much like, look, this is absolutely nothing to worry about um got referred to a breast clinic um and again it was sort of the same case again you know nothing to worry about and then obviously things change quite quickly and you sort of jump onto that conveyor belt um and I think it was one of those things that I kind of noticed that the few people I sort of spoke to they had no idea they could get breast cancer and um when I got my diagnosis I was told that you know to prepare for a, a terminal stage four diagnosis and, you know, anecdotally, men don't go to the doctors um, compared to their female counterparts. And, you know, I think it's one of those things that, you know, the mortality rate in men is 19% higher than it is in women. Um, and obviously, we can assume that maybe that's a big part of, of men just not kind of going. And 
that's kind of where the awareness part comes in because you know if you don't know you won't go um so that's kind of why i set up moves to kind of fill that void yeah with no real screening program for men it's only on the off chance you notice something fortunately in your case you did and you had a colleague who had cause to say something to you uh on average mm. uh, if it happens to a man it's only about the age of 68 uh rather than your 37 so you were absolutely in, in no known categories uh, you weren't aware of any genetic mutations with the uh, brca2 uh, you probably haven't been exposed to radiation you notice know, so all of these things were in your favor as not being a problem yet it turned out it was something sinister and you you fortunately been able to get treatment at stage three so how does the prognosis work how are you how are things looking health-wise so um i i had uh chemotherapy so i was supposed to have eight rounds but that was extended because it came back as um a genetic mutation brac2 um which has a whole whole range of ramifications in terms of long-term health so i'm more um likely to get sort of pancreatic or prostate cancer in, in the next 20 years um so i've i completed chemotherapy about five six weeks ago um and i'm going into surgery in um about a week and a half but i think you know the, the surgery side i think kind of highlights as well because part of the stuff that we want to do in moves we want to to campaign for more funding for male breast cancer and i think you know there's around 400 diagnoses a year so it's a small number compared to, to 55,000 for women um however the uh in, in one week of, of my treatment, I went from having a, a single mastectomy to a double mastectomy, back to a single mastectomy, and now something which is not a mastectomy, it's, it's called a central excision, which is kind of like removing a nipple and a, a bit more. So it's kind of like a mastectomy light. But that's kind of due to those low numbers of instances, so people don't have that experience, but also the sort of research behind it. Um, you know, we just don't have the level of funding. Um, it's nowhere near comparable. To, to what is involved in, in female breast cancer. I'm not saying that it should be taken away from that, but, you know, there are questions that need to be asked. And, you know, when you're looking at 400 diagnoses, each one of those is a story. So it's, you know, someone's like uh, grandfather or father or partner, uncle, son, you know, no one should die of ignorance, particularly if it's not ignorance of their own doing. And part of that is a language around the way we talk about breast cancer. Absolutely. So this is something which certainly needs to be considered, a conversation point with your GP and uh, a case for, for checking uh, the same way as you would check for testicular cancer. Exactly. And it can be done at the same time in the shower. It's, it's uh, you know, it's actually easier for men to check than than for women. Um, you know, it's, it's very simple to do, it, you know, it's and it's something that will save lives. So it's, it's something that all men should be looking out for. Absolutely. So uh, where do we go to find out more about uh, the work that you're doing through Moves and also the awareness campaign that runs alongside it with those tips? Yeah. So if you go to our website, so it's um, www.moves.uk um, or you can follow us on either Instagram or, or X um, at Moves underscore UK. This is something which you've got you know, experience of and are, you know, I think bravely talking about in this way, because uh, it is something which, you know, it, it's still ongoing. This is still very real for you. And this isn't over until you get that final all clear. No, it, exactly. And, you know, I, I think that's just the physical side. I think the mentality side of it is is huge. Um, and, and just, you know, as I, I was doing this, I, I was introduced to a guy who referred to himself as, you know, quite a masculine guy. And uh, and he found it very emasculating. And, you know, he didn't tell people. So there's very few people, very close friends and, and very close family. 
but you know he told me about this story about when he goes and plays rugby now he um he he kind of changes so in a different room or so people don't see it and it's you know it's a real shame and it shows that there's a stigma around that and unless we break down that stigma by changing the language and how we refer to breast cancer that's not going to change and um like i said we just need to kind of people talk about it and go to the doctor to check it out yeah, and whilst it might be you know, many hundreds of men rather than many thousands of women, it is still an issue. And and because of the the, the, the ratios there, it is less likely that it's going to get picked up in a, way, a time whereby it can be treated and we can get the best you know, prognosis going forward. So that's the, the importance of it. For you to have hit stage three um, and you know, before it became very obvious, it shows how it, it, it doesn't really show symptoms, which are going to cause huge amounts of concern. No, exactly. I, I had no symptoms apart from apart from that lump. And as I said, if it wasn't for a colleague even saying something, it, it, it I wouldn't have even gotten it checked out, if I'm honest. So important to have this conversation. Give us that web address again. Yep. So it's www.moobs.uk. Founder of Moobs, James Richards. Thank you for joining us and good luck with the rest of your treatment. Thank you so much, Jason. The latest brochure for Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre is available now to pick up from the venue. Which is where I'm sat now with communications manager Scott Bird. Hello. Hello. How are we doing? Yeah, really good, thank you. We haven't had a catch up since the last brochure like this, have we? No, we haven't. We, haven't uh, we, we obviously we, we do see each other periodically at shows. I mean, you mm-hmm. take me to see shows sometimes I as do. well, which is always lovely. Uh, but there's obviously loads of great shows ongoing. Uh, we're most excited about Panto because we know yes. that that's all happening, and there's been lots of great interviews. I had a great time chatting with the cast. Thank you for that, and we're looking forward to speaking to more of them soon. Yes. And there's work going on with the ensemble as well, and we want to talk to them. There is. Yeah. And uh, I was very lucky that Adrian gave us uh, a bit of an exclusive talking about the fact that the musicians are going to be on stage. Yes. So that's something that we'll be looking forward to. And there'll be loads of stuff all over the socials about all Mm -hmm. of this as we get towards Christmas. Yes. So that's exciting. It is. But other than that, what's going on? Because you've got here Spotlight. Yes. And uh, it's lucky that we've got some copies here because, as you've just seen in the foyer, everyone's been really off with them. Flying off the shelves. Which is what they're supposed to do. But it's it's proving popular. Yes. No, we're we're pleased that they're... uh, they're going so well but uh, of course it means we have to fill the uh, fill the racks up it's back to being uh, a paper boy again yeah it is yeah yeah uh, but uh, so here one, it is. wonderful magazine uh, lots mm. to read lots of stuff about the shows and uh, it, it's it's nice to have we have to have its magazine telling you about everything that's on at the grand yes and Talk I like us through it. I like this one because it's like an autumnal orange yes it's also wolves colours <laughs> uh, and yeah it takes us through from from now pretty much till next summer so that's good going should we have a look yeah what have you got in here because I know you've, you've been doing some features and things for it haven't you yes I have that keeps me busy so uh, <laughs> yeah I get to uh, get to chat to uh, some people and we start with with Matthew Bourne's Romeo and Juliet which mm-hmm. is uh, which is next week so uh, yeah we're looking forward to that that's uh, that's going to be good but you actually went to meet Matthew and everything yes yes I did so yeah you, you, this is text from your chat with him yes it is yeah <laughs> uh, and some of the dancers and yeah and he's uh, he's going to be here next week as well on opening night so if you come to opening night you, you might spot him around and then after the show he's going to stay behind and do uh, a post-show uh, talk about the production so that looks like a late night for me on Tuesday next week so we'll see how that goes great yeah and then of course we've got quite a busy October as it goes through and and lots of comedy yeah yeah we're doing really well with our comedians at the Mm. moment we're getting sort of everyone through the door so we've got Judy Love uh, next week Um, no week after next week after next yeah 
Uh, his calendar isn't right in his head. No. <laughs> uh, and then uh, yeah, and we've got the pundit. We've got the Bee Gees. Tom Davis. We've got Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, no, that one's a parody, isn't it? It's a parody. Yeah, yeah. Buffy revamped. <laughs> uh, and then uh, and the Frank Sinatra uh, farewell concert tribute as well. Which yeah, is, uh, no, Richard Shelton, uh, Wolverhampton uh, man at the heart of that one. Yes. And uh, but he's a lovely fellow to have an actor. We caught up with him the other week. And. Yeah. Uh, it's it's all about putting on the show for him, isn't it? And, and making it as much like the real concert as possible. Yes. Uh, yeah. With, but, the, with the Sid Lawrence Orchestra. Yeah. So that that's going to be well, an absolute treat. So that's a Sunday the 29th of October. I know yeah. that, I know that one. But uh, as we head into November, again, there's a few uh, week long shows, but so, uh, but more brilliant one nighters. There is. Yeah. So Peter Pan goes wrong. Uh, that finishes October into November. Into November, yeah, it's a little bit of a crossover that one. Um, but uh, we've never had we've never had the Peter Pan goes wrong before. Yeah. We've had the play that goes wrong. That was good. We've had grown ups. Yes. Uh, uh, and now we get more mischief with uh, Peter Pan goes wrong. So we're looking forward to that. That's that's been absolutely amazing, isn't it? Yes. Uh, we've got Bilston Operatic. They're back with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Now this is a show that I really want to see, and mm-hmm. the the magic of of this one, the songs in it. And the fact there's going to be a flying car, yeah. that's something to look forward to. Yes. Uh, but uh, I, I think the, the, with the way in which Bilston work, it's going to be a treat, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, and I've, uh, I've seen little clips from their rehearsals and stuff, and it's, uh, it's shaping up really nicely, so we're very excited for that. That's good. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, direct from Regent's Park. You should, you should have sung that. <laughs> you can sing that. Couldn't you sing that? Oh, I don't know. You can do a line for the show. No, okay. We copyright reasons. We can't make Scott sing. Yeah, you want to come and see the real thing. Let's let's keep it. Uh, okay. <laughs> let's that, keep that's that for the professionals. But yeah, um, the playing Jesus is uh, Ian McIntosh, who played Galileo in We Will Rock You here mm-hmm. uh, recently. So uh, yeah, if you came to see that and enjoyed that, then this is just as just as rocky, and you you know what to expect from. Uh, from it is that. a good show. Another good show. Mm. Yeah, and uh, as I said, direct from uh, Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. But of course, if it rains, this show can still go on. Yeah, because it is on our stage, uh, nice and covered up. Which mm-hmm. then brings us into Panto. Which and just that discussed. again, it, it's it's going to be amazing. And uh, I think it's it's part of the magic. And but it it is going to be Snow White, but not as you've seen it before. And no. I think I think that's part of the magic here because yeah, with the musicians on stage. Yeah. And lots more besides that Adrian wouldn't tell me about. Because yes. he's been teasing me all year. Everyone's like, oh yeah, it's going it's to be amazing. You won't have seen anything like this. And then he, he lets you have a little nugget of information. Yeah. And he just, he's, he's just keeping everyone on. This is the words. most nervous I've been for one of our chats, just in case I accidentally slip something out. But yeah, it's going to be... Um, it's going to be, as you said, Snow White as you've never seen it before. But also Snow White as you expect. I was chatting to somebody yesterday about the show and I said, what can you... What can you tell people about the show? And he said, you know what you're going to get mm-hmm. with this show. However, you just don't know how you're going to get it. Ah. And I think that's the best possible thing. That's clever. We like that. You could say about this. Yeah. Because it's true. You know what you're going to get with the panto. Mm-hmm. But you definitely don't know how you're going to get it. So, um, okay. well. That's exciting. Intrigue. Okay. Lots of t- ticket details on that one. Still yes, there is. Yeah, that, says that's there. quite a uh, text-heavy uh, page, that. But then this one is uh, chats with JC and Nikki. Uh, and they're both lovely they're both lovely lovely yeah really nice JC it's his first panto here uh, he's done a few before but first time he's done here two before. he's done two before I've done my research Nikki's done four here before mm-hmm. uh, but not for about nine years I think it is, is it that the long? last time yeah. she was here so uh, yeah it's it nice seems like five Nikki minutes back. yeah it does <laughs> Julian Clary and uh, Joe Tresini that's Cinderella that was that was long ago 2014 so it's nine ten years ago yeah I think 
pandemics make you feel older. I think yes, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those three years. But this is Nikki's first time evil, so she she has got a wicked side. If you know Nikki, we so, will, yeah. Uh, this uh, th- that's going to get to come out this year. And then, and then, uh, lots the of pack. magical offers there for our first call members. If you're not a first call member, that's uh, something you should definitely. Now this is this is sixteen through twenty four. No, that's the other one. That's the other one. Which what's first, first call? First then? call is uh, eight to fifteen. Oh, the younger ones. This is the younger one. Ah. yeah. So if you are age eight to fifteen um, and come with uh, an adult, you can get two tickets. Basically, it just combines two tickets into one lovely price. So, for example, some of the offers in here are two tickets to the Panto for £40, two tickets to Everybody's Talking About Jamie for 49 which, you know, that's, you know, the price of, especially in London, or, mm-hmm. you know, that's not even the price of one ticket. Yeah, so, it's a fraction um, of that cost, isn't it? Yeah, so that's that's good. And you get to see in a nicer venue as well. Thank you very much. But, yeah, uh, more uh, comedy from Sarah Milliken and Gus Khan. Two more amazing comedians. Yeah. And, yeah, big tours that... Uh, you're never sure quite where you're going to get to see them and there's a reason why they want to play places Mm. like the Grand because you've got we've both stood on that stage and and presented stuff Mm. and the way you can interact with the audience uh, it it just it's so good and it works so well for their sort of comedy yes yeah and that's why they're doing I think Sarah's doing uh, yeah she's doing Wednesday through to Saturday so you know she's doing multiple dates and Mm -hmm. I think people do prefer to do comedy and see comedy in a smaller venue like our theatre over a couple of nights rather than just do one big night in an arena where the well, comedy you, doesn't really you, land. You're watching one telly really, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, of course, of course. So, yeah, it's uh, and they're selling very fast, obviously. The, mm-hmm. the comedians do sell out very quickly. So have a little look on the website to see what there is left. But um, then something a bit different for us. This is um, odd. Yeah, Stranger Things, which is a musical parody of Stranger Things, of course. Uh, and it's uh, it's done... It's done the fringe, and it's done you know lots of uh, sellout runs in London. Uh, so yeah, it's a sci-fi spoof that is wild and an irrelevant twist on the Netflix series. So uh, and when's yeah. that one on? That is on Monday to Wednesday, uh, Monday the fifteenth to Wednesday the seventeenth of January. So it's a nice one to start so, your new yes. year and put a bit, have a smile on your face and some songs in your in your heart yeah. and some stranger things than you've ever seen before on stage. Yes. Exactly that. I think I sold it. Yeah, and if that doesn't tickle your fancy, then maybe uh, a night of soul, Motown, and disco uh, will be the one. I like the sound of both of those. Yeah, Project Twenty One, amazing local performers, Carl yes. McGregor, yes. part of the Memory Cafes down here as yep. well at the Grand. Yep. And uh, if you've never seen Carl perform, you absolutely have to. Chances are you will have seen him because we, I, I, I booked him to sing at Molyneux a few times. He performed at, uh, in the uh, in the park for the uh, promotion celebrations uh, alongside Beverly Knight, and uh, he's truly talented. And uh, we've been going back a few years now mm-hmm. when uh, the the Queen Mom passed away mm-hmm. uh, live on on ITV. He sang the national anthem wow. and it absolutely moved everybody. So you know, he's got a voice to be heard. So make mm. sure you come along and, and see Project yes, 21. Yes, and that also features local stars Sophie Ann, mm-hmm. who was in our panto last year, yep. of course, and mm-hmm. is doing uh, so many different projects all over the place, uh, yeah. you know, supporting Beverly Knight, as you say, and she's been uh, supporting Annie Golding, I think it was, the other week. So, uh, yeah. It's, it's a big night. Yeah, it's a big, big night. Yeah, you need uh, tickets for that one. And, uh, and Dayton Gray. So, uh, yeah, then we've got more music, uh, tribute to George Michael with Fast Love, then Gareth Gates is back. We haven't mm-hmm. seen Gareth since our 2018 panto, but this yep. time he is uh, appearing as Frankie Valley 
uh, and the Four Seasons. I don't think he's playing all of them. No. Um, but yeah, <laughs> he's so, talented uh, enough to. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so Gareth Gates singing the music of the Four Seasons there. Uh, that's on the 21st of January. Stuart Lee, more comedy there. Uh, drag queens, a tribute to Queen, <laughs> and. Uh, and, yeah. and there's something a bit more peculiar down the bottom there. Yes. Which is? Uh, Cirque du Hilarious, the Temple of Delusion, which is uh, Clive Webb and Danny Adams. They're, they're amazingly funny. They are. And they're lovely people as well. Yes. I always look, can I have another natter with them? Because I always love to yes. catch up with them. Yeah, they're great, aren't they? Because they'll be off doing panto with their usual place, won't they? Yes, they always do panto up in Newcastle. So, mm. uh, yeah, they uh, they have to tour the, tour the rest of the year. So uh, if you want to see them at Christmas, you have to go all up there. But um, if you want to see them in... Uh, 18th of February, you uh, you don't have to travel so far. Come down so, here, uh, to the ground, exactly. see them there. Right. It's always crazy, their show. Now, we're about uh, two-thirds of the way through the brochure, so what are you doing next? Uh, everybody's talking about Jamie is back. There, that again, another phenomenal show. Mm-hmm. And a talked-about show, mm-hmm. uh, literally, because it's in the title. Uh, and uh, a cast that uh, is going to bring it to life once more, and uh, John Partridge in mm-hmm. uh, an interesting role there. Yes, yes, I think John Partridge was... The, in address the last time we saw him here in La Cage Fall, but now he's back as uh, Loco Chanel uh, in this. Um, also with Shobna Galati, who plays Ray, uh, which is a little chat that I had with her during rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's back for her sixth year with the show now. She's been doing it for six years. She did it in Los Angeles. She's been in the movie, and uh, she still comes back to it because she loves it so much, and understandably so. But that's cool to have her yes. here in Wolverhampton. Yes, we love Shobna. We can't wait to have her back. Uh, but then for us, we have... Uh, slightly different cast to where you see um, elsewhere um, our Miss Hedge is Giovanna Fletcher which is really nice I think she's doing about four venues on the tour and we're yeah. lucky to have Giovanna Queen of the I was going to say Jungle Book Castle yeah. I think uh, from I'm a Celeb yeah and obviously um, famous author and Disney podcaster and everything else that she does mm-hmm. uh, so we're looking forward to having her and Ivano Turco who uh, recently was in uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella uh, as the prince in the West End and the Bob Marley musical and now he's playing Jamie so really different role yeah that's, for, a, that's an him. interesting but it, it's it's great when you see performers who can turn their hand to all these different yes. things and uh, we've seen that with uh, Annie that's been at the, at the Grand this week the performers you see in that there, there's some names we recognise mm-hmm. who uh, have, have toured the shows and there's just, we, we do see names pop up don't we yeah yeah so it's really exciting that, that he'll be here for the first time. And, of course, uh, Rebecca McInnes as, as Margaret, the mum, who is incredible. So, yeah. All looking good. Over the page. Flip the page again. Some stuff on our creative learning projects that we've been doing throughout the year. We've got mm-hmm. cinema screenings monthly with the National Theatre yep. at Wolverhampton Central Library. And they are totally free uh, to members of Wolverhampton Library. And, and James Collins looking after that and keeping everybody uh, rather busy. That. Yes, he is, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how he does it with the time or the money no, to be fair but it's all good don't ask me what the next one is but um, it's the uh, it's it's the best of the National Theatre yeah. so we've already had uh, the likes of Small Island and we have One Man Two Governors the James Corden version uh, but coming up are um, really great titles um, from the I think Jekyll and Hyde might be the next one Ooh, possibly okay. like that. so I don't know um, check, go to the website Mm-hmm. Uh, and our social media and well, it's all there would that be grandtheatre.co.uk it would there we are. it would indeed yep. yeah or the National uh, or the Wolverhampton Library website they've got it all there as well yep. horror show is back it's been quite some time since we uh, oh, yeah that's going to be five years something like that yeah I th- well I can't remember which number of the tour it was on but it's always celebrating it's a birthday celebrating something what are we 50, 50 years 50 now? years 50 years 
Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm older than the Rocky Horror Show, <laughs> which is, is disturbing, but uh, it's, it's uh, just such good fun. Yes. And there's, there's, again, performers who've been in that for probably the best part of a decade now. Yes. And they do some amazing stuff. Yeah, uh, we don't know our cast yet. Yeah, so, so uh, Christian's got to be in it. So probably, yeah, yeah, he'll probably be back. Uh, but yeah, we don't know We don't know the rest of the cast, so uh, keep looking out. Check it out. Social Equally, media. we don't know the cast for this, but I know it's coming soon. How are we saying it? 2.22. So, so we are saying it, yeah, we're not, yes. it's not 2, colon, 2.2. Two. No. It is 2.22, two two two, two, which is a time, uh, which I believe is where the production finishes. It finishes at 2.22am, mm-hmm. so the clock ticks. So that's spoilers. Slowly towards the spoilers on the poster. Yeah, but what happens at two twenty-two? Why is it relevant? I don't know. We will watch. find out. Yes. Yeah, on the uh, the twentieth through to the twenty-fourth of February, twenty twenty-four. Yes, and I don't know the cast yet, and that's the truth. But I do know it's coming. And there's lots of twos Urgently. in the date, the title, and everything. Yes. Yeah. Lots of little ducks in the second month. Uh, so yeah, and uh, there's an interview there with with Danny Robbins who wrote it. Then we've got some lovely pictures of things we've been getting up to lately. Uh-huh. Uh, look back on our last season, Sister Act and Rock of Ages, SpongeBob, Bodyguard, what fun we had. Uh, and there's Melody Thornton with her little dog. Oh, Yeah. So that's nice. That's nice to reflect. It is, it's good to look back. And it, but yeah. it's, it's, it shows the sort of people who are coming and performing at the Grand. And you you don't get to see them on the high street every day, but no. you do when they're in town. Do when they're in town. Yeah, they go and pick yeah. up a sandwich at M&S, that sort yes. of thing. Yes. Well, Greg's one of the many Greg's. Those are, those are, yeah. um, yes. Can't go wrong with the Greg's. No. Uh, and then we've got six back again for its third reign of Wolverhampton. And you know, it would be great if we when he does six times. That would be yes. good because he will yeah, we'll keep really coming back. That one. It, will, it, it will be here for us six times soon. I'm it is sure. such an amazing show. Mm. And it's, it's one of those where until you see, you don't know what to expect. Mm. Uh, it's got a great perspective on, on Henry VIII's wives. Yeah, yeah. So, All sort of in the form of some sort of... Uh, you know, sort of imaginary, maybe pop concert that's mm-hmm. set somewhere in uh, somewhere in time. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in time. Yeah, but it's uh, it's great, and it, it, I'm sure you've at least heard of Six if you haven't seen it. But yeah, it always sells really well, as it is um, already. So uh, get your tickets now if you uh, if you're thinking about it. But it, it uh, stars um, Nicole Lewis, who is from oh, Wolverhampton. That's always we have good. a Wolverhampton queen, and uh, apparently she is uh, doing the part in a black country accent. As well, so there's a black country Catherine of Aragon. I'm liking uh, it coming to the stage. That's so, good. Uh, yeah, so th- I think that's what's so fab about Six is it's not set in stone, and mm-hmm. they let the queens put their own stamp on these people. Yeah, um, and sort of do what they want with it, really. Uh, so you, you know, every time you go and see Six, you get something different. It's a bit you different. Get something unique. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Nicole is uh, is our girl. In uh, in the lockdown year, actually, she did some filming for us, and she did uh, a schools tour when the schools reopened again mm-hmm. as part of our um, creative learning project. So uh, Nicole is uh, is a friend of the theatre, and we're pleased to see her doing so well. That should be good. So yeah, we nice to have her back. And then we're on yeah. to Bonnie and Clyde. Mm. Now, winner of the best new, uh, new musical that was uh, the What's On Stage Awards in 2023. Yes. So this is big news yeah. and comes along in March yes and I can confirm that it is worthy of that title mm-hmm. uh, because I saw it originally the original production was what it started off as a, the UK version started off as a concert and then went to the Arts Theatre in the West End which is very small um, if you're familiar with it but then it had a West End transfer where the production got bigger and more exciting than it was before even though it was amazing originally already. it was amazing uh, and now it's back uh, again on the road this time with this gorgeous new artwork look at that that's lovely see that? Like that. 
Um, so yeah, and stars uh, Catherine Tilsley from uh, Coronation Street and various other um, fabulous things. Strictly Come Dancing, she was on. Yeah. Uh, then Sam Faraday, Shropshire's own, um, as um, he's there. Look, you see him. And yeah. then we've got uh, we've got Bonnie and Clyde there, Alex James Hatton, and Katie Tomkinson. So we're looking forward to welcoming them. That's that a little bit on the show there. Brilliant lineup. More writing. Mm-hmm. He likes his writing. He's good at his writing stuff. Yes. Uh, more comedians. Rob Brydon and his fabulous band. Oh, that should be a good night. Yeah. People forgetting sing. You yes. never expect a comedian to sing, do no. you? Not well, yeah. but he can. <laughs> Brilliantly. Yeah. And that's after a sellout UK and Australian tour. It's a night of songs and laughter, so uh, you know it's got it's got everything thrown in there. That is going to be in someone's Christmas stocking. You can guarantee that that yeah. is going to be a Christmas gift. That one. As might Giovanni uh, Panice from Strictly. Yeah. As well, it's back. Uh, lots and lots and lots. Uh, to go through, we're really excited uh, to now be a member of Dance Consortium. Mm. Actually, Dance Consortium are here in the theatre right now, yeah. uh, getting to grips with uh, with the space and uh, yeah, and introducing themselves to everyone. So uh, the team are here, and we're really looking forward to this because this is a collection of. 19 UK theatres now mm-hmm. who are passionate about showing the best of worldwide dance uh, in the UK so uh, this year is the well next year is the Sao Paulo Dance Company uh, who are coming to to have their UK premiere tour yet yeah, and, and, and this, this is one of those things again that you don't see often and no. when something like this comes along it is another must have ticket isn't it yeah it is yeah and a couple with that if you're well, under ten, uh, right. certainly, awful auntie is going to be on your uh, your list of shows. Yes, obviously. yeah. If you've uh, read the David Williams books uh, and have seen any of his previous stage work, they just translate so well to stage. They've got something for everybody. Yeah, they have. Um, now, I see billionaire boy. I've seen that one. Yeah. Is it, uh, and oh, it's gangster granny. granny as well. And yeah. both of those actually it doesn't matter on the age of the audience and that's what good writing does isn't it yes. it, it makes it accessible to everybody and yes. it may be a theme which is aimed at a younger audience but actually it's accessible to all mm. yeah they've always got a nice message mm-hmm. they're very sort of like sort of a bit like uh, Roald Dahl for today really isn't yeah. it mm-hmm. um, so yeah we're um, looking forward to, to that one uh, then we have uh, for the younger theatre audiences and the younger at heart we've got the, uh, the dinosaur Dinosaurs are coming back. Yeah. Um, and uh, what is the tea? Oh, 75th birthday. 75th. And yeah. uh, Richard joining him for that one? Richard is joining him, yeah. And Sue this time, because of course, in our uh, in our panto, it was just Richard, Sooty and Sweet. But, yeah. Uh, Sue, Sue was busy. Yeah. She was backstage for uh, a day. She came to visit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now Sue is uh, is on stage. That's so, going to be good. Uh, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah. So that's lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, more. Uh, well, I have Mr. Page here. We can't, can't miss a page. We've missed a speak up page, which is our fabulous uh, schools project yep. joint with the National Theatre that Lucy Ellen Parker uh, is uh, seeing through. That's just an update on that because we're a year into that project now. So mm. uh, she works hard on that one. Doesn't she does. She? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a fab project, and uh, it's ongoing for another two years. But that's the first year that you can catch up on. Uh, more comedy, more dance, more um, tribute acts. We've got an Elton John tribute act there. Uh, Graziano De Prima from Strictly, and uh, and Frankie Boyle. Frankie Boyle, yeah. No, but he, he's covering that with my hand. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Don't don't, don't, don't hide Frankie. There we go. Uh, uh, another comedian, not to everyone's taste, mm-hmm. but hugely funny if you listen to what he's saying. Yes, yeah. And, and he's one of those that sometimes gets a, a bad press, uh-huh. but actually it's intelligent humour, and you probably haven't been listening properly. Yeah. So uh, check that one out. Yeah. Uh, back to Bacharach, so uh, that is back. Back to Bacharach is back. Yeah. Um, 
as well as uh, some opera, uh, Madame Butterfly and Carmen. Yep. Um, Boy in the Back of the Class, uh, the novel uh, translated to now, stage. I, so that's going to be another good one. Yeah. And again, it's a, a, a mix of audiences there as well, which is going to be good. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. That's going to be uh, that's going to be for a, a real mix of, uh, of school age and uh, mm-hmm. young adults, and uh, but even the adults uh, will capture will capture the imagination of what's an update on our access. And again, another part of the work the theatre does, and you may not realise it, but it, it is about getting people in and getting uh, you know, the community to, to use a venue that they maybe didn't think was for them. Yeah, yeah, of course. And this this month, or this season, is the uh, is the story of Frank and Alison Littleford, uh, and they are regular attendees of our me- uh, Memory Cafe. And I've, been uh, to, I've been to events, and they're wonderful, aren't they? Yes, yeah, they are great. And uh, the Memory Cafes are, are held here, uh, and uh, Frank is, is living with uh, dementia. Um, and this is all about uh, their story and how the, the the memory cafes have helped them. So, That's all good. So yeah, you can read all about that. Then we've got an update on our summer school and our sixteen twenty five uh, schemes. So that one's called sixteen twenty five. That is called sixteen twenty five. Okay. For the sixteen to twenty five year olds. Okay. We get uh, that. And that is uh, it's basically like a sort of introductory friends of the grand membership. Mm-hmm. Uh, this membership is free to sign up to, uh, and uh, not only does it offer you all the benefits of being a friend of the grand, such as. Uh, up to 15% discount on tickets and priority booking and all the rest of it, but it also um, allows you to uh, get £10 standby tickets uh, for selected shows uh, about half an hour uh, to an hour before the curtain up. So, uh, so yeah, if, you, good. if you can plan your night that way, that's all good. Yes. And last few bits and pieces, because we've got bits. Life of Pi. Yes. Now, uh, a major film, mm-hmm. but then a more amazing stage show, I think, because yes. there's no green screen here. No. There is fabulous projection yeah. that takes you uh, from world to world, but also world-class puppetry uh, for the Tiger, uh, which did win, uh, I think it was the Olivier Award, could have been the Tony Award as well, but all seven puppeteers of the Tiger got won. The, got, the, got the gong. Got the gong, yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, the trophy makers were, uh, were busy that year, I think. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it did. It opened in the West End and has since uh, enjoyed a season on Broadway uh, and is now back in the UK for a UK tour, uh, which has just begun, but we, uh, we're going to get this in April next year. And we're talking to the two actors here who play Pi uh, in the show, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the puppeteer of the head of the tiger, Akash here, who is from Wolverhampton. Uh, so, we again uh, liking the local. We've got yes, talent. We've got talent. Being born this, in this city. This book is full of people from Wolverhampton <laughs> uh, telling their uh, telling their stories. So no, we we, we always um, like to shine a light on on the local talent, yeah. and uh, it's uh, we're so lucky and fortunate that it. It's always here. And then, obviously, we're heading through into May there, and uh, yes. we've got uh, Love Never Dies, West Bromwich Operatic Society on stage. It is, yeah, and this is the uh, the UK amateur premiere of this show, so it's hugely exciting uh, for everyone involved. This is the first time that uh, it was one of the first times you're ever going to see this show on a on a stage in a theatre in the UK. You know, it did the West End, mm-hmm. and then it hasn't toured uh, at all. So uh, yeah, it's done a concert version recently in the West End, but. Mm-hmm. If, uh, but I hadn't realised it, it's, it's a Frederick Forsyth novel that mm. it's all based on. Yeah, and he's a lovely fellow. So yeah. I, I've met him a co- mm-hmm. uh, in the past as well. Uh, so that which is which is all cool. Uh, so yeah, it's the uh, it's, it's you're going to find out what happens uh, to the Phantom. Okay. Uh, and then let's have a look. So a sequel. Like yeah, a it's a sequel. sequel. I think it's is it set ten years after? Yeah, ten years mm-hmm. after his disappearance from the Opera House. So this picks up ten years where Phantom of the Opera leaves off. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Psychic Sally is back, yeah, doing her thing, and then the sensational sixties experience. A year yes. wouldn't be the same without the, the gang turning up. And uh, another amazing lineup: Do- uh, Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Titch. Yep. the Trems, uh, the Fortunes, the Swinging Blues, and the Vanity Fair. So mm. that's and obviously these lineups change because well they they bring extra people in sometimes, yes. don't they? Yeah. So uh, so that's another sensational lineup. And then uh, of course uh, Michael Starr and Ben is back, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great tribute to Michael Jackson. But then uh, for the first time. We have a tribute to Shaka Khan. And yeah, I kind of feel I should go Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Yes, yeah, yeah, we do I that can't too. I get that right. Yeah, if you call the box office, <laughs> uh, you, might get, you might get one of those if you book uh, through the box office. Uh, and then Tom Allen. Uh, so yeah, just he's, he's just so so popular add to the uh, roster of uh, yeah. fabulous comedians. Now I've I've seen him support Sarah Millican, and yes. that was uh, an absolutely brilliant night with those yeah. two on stage. That's on uh, Thursday, twenty third of May. Now, so now is again the time to get your tickets for these things. Yes, it is. Are there something more for the kids? As it is for these, yeah. If we, um, you know, for the kids. They've got a, a, a bumper book of, uh, of shows, but uh, Peppa Pig is back, but with a brand new show, uh, Fun Day Out, this one. Uh, and then Madagascar the Musical is back, this time with uh, Karim Zorrell as uh, King Julian. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be good. Uh, that is uh, in 30th of May to the 2nd of June. Uh, then just some more about our accessible performances and dementia friendly theatre there yep. we also have a separate access brochure and a creative learning brochure that sits sit alongside these which you can also pick up in the foyer mm-hmm. uh, the access brochure is out now and I believe the creative learning brochure is out before Christmas so look out for that then a uh, brand new production of Frankie Goes to Bollywood <laughs> which okay. is going to be great that's going to be uh, great yeah um, with the concept and book by uh, Pravesh Kumar, uh, you know you get swept away into the world of Bollywood. That's going to be really, really good. Uh, mm-hmm. There'll be some great dance in that. And then the the one where we don't have spoilers. It is yes. the Mouse Trap, yes. 70th anniversary tour, yeah, and uh, uh, but a show which it, it's it's of its time, but it's timeless. Yeah, true, and it's still running in the West End 70 mm-hmm. years later, as you say, and has toured for the last. I don't know how many years. It's, um, it's more than and, a decade. And still, nobody knows the end. No. And uh, <laughs> and I, I think the the beauty of of this play is I've seen it three or four times, and every time I've forgotten the end until we get there. But then I realise it is the same ending every yeah, time. But I, I've forgotten as well. Yeah. And everyone I talk to says they yeah. can't remember the end. Yeah. It's it's like the mind has been like told. Something I happens. Can't tell. Yeah. Don't tell. Yeah. And that is the genuine truth. I sit there halfway through thinking. Genuinely, no recollection <laughs> of who's done it, uh, but it is. But then, as soon as it happens, I go, "Yes, it was." Yeah, it was. But it there was, you go. And it's the same person every time. Yeah. But June twenty twenty four, Grand Theatre. There we yeah, go. There we go. Uh, then, unfortunate. This is something new for us as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting a lot of really popular fringe theatre coming through, which is uh, which is really exciting. A uh, bit of programming, but a bit um, of a musical parody. Yes. So, whereas Wicked is the story of the Wicked Witch of the West, and it's sort of you know it's a different look mm-hmm. on that character. This is that for the Little Mermaid. So this okay. is <laughs> a look at Ursula. Yeah. And. Is Ursula who we think she is? I don't know. And is Ariel who we think she is? So mm-hmm. uh, this is um, 
Well, let's just read what it's all about. It says, so join everyone's favourite Disney diva, Ursula, as she gives her take on what really happened all those years ago under the sea. Uh, with an original uh, hot pop soundtrack and trademark filthy humour, it's time to take the plunge and dive into this year's hottest night out. Cruella told her side and Maleficent's had her moment. Now the legendary queer queen is ready to spill in this tell-all tale of sex, sorcery and suckers. Well, there we go. That is unfortunate, and it's coming it along. Is it, long, is that a week we got that uh, Yes, for a whole week. Well, Thursday to Sunday, so yeah. it's about a week's worth of shows, but yeah. slightly later in the week, Thursday to Sunday in July next year. Okay, so, get yourself ready uh, for yeah, that one. That's, uh, and that's we've got one more. So I'm told. Oh, that, uh, is? that is probably the last... Oh, no, it's not. No, it's no, not. I thought, no, it's I not. There's more. There's more. Yeah. So again, for the kids, Bluey yeah. is um, taking to the stage uh, in uh, July, mm-hmm. uh, and he's already selling very, very well. Um, I know that is just as popular with um, parents as it is with children. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's on, it's on BBC, it's on iPlayer, it's on Disney Plus, isn't it? And it's everywhere. It's on every streaming mm. service, I think. It's on uh, repeat in your house. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, direct from the London Palladium uh, is The Wizard of Oz. No, this is something. That's obviously, it's a film people will be watching at Christmas, but the stage show is something special. Yeah, it is, and I was lucky enough to go to the London Palladium this summer uh, and see the production. Uh, and it is—it's uh, a fresh take on the Wizard of Oz, but it's a very welcome take. It's—it's mm-hmm. uh, it's really great, and it's—it's um, it's something that's fresh, modern, unexpected. But as I said earlier about the Panto, you get what you expect, but not how you expect it. So that's going to be good, uh, and I think that's going to be really, really good. And uh, not in this brochure because it's—it uh, was printed a couple of weeks ago, but this week we found uh, our casting for The Wicked Witch is the Vivian who oh, yes. is the uh, the winner of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race That was all on the social one. media this week. I've had, yes. I've, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Vivian is playing The Wicked Witch so uh, that'd be great to have her here casting her, um, her spells and then uh, that is it, that is it apart from the also booking page because this is so far in the future yeah. that these will get their moment to shine in the next brochure well, more comedy from Christmas Pools and come uh, from away that, that's going to be a treat that is brilliant and then an officer and a gentleman as well so lots to see grandtheatre.co.uk pop online check it out come and get a copy of Spotlight from the Grand read yeah, it's plenty, of, and it's, 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 there's loads of articles. It's all about the shows as well, which is the good bit. And uh, you can yeah, say, give the box office a shout: oh one nine zero two four two nine two one two. Anything that's taking your fancy there. If we've said it, you want to see it, ring them up, have a look, or get on the website and check it out. Scott, always a pleasure to have a chat with you. Thank you for letting me in, and uh, so we can sit in the, the encore lounge and, and go through this. And uh, we look forward to uh, some amazing shows between now and clearly next July next year. Yes, yeah, it's all in there. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 748 next week. I'll see you then. Throw up an M. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.